Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I'm Dustin Levy. I'm joined by my colleagues Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. We actually have football to discuss this week as the season officially started with kickoff classics this week where we got our first glimpse of teams all leading up to week one this Thursday and Friday. So just to start and check in, Alex, how was your first Friday night back? Uh, great to be back out there. Um, you know, I was had the luxury of being at Baron Collier for the second time this year. Um, I was at uh, their spring game as well, so kind of got to see this team, uh, uh, you know, fully healthy, full strength. Um, unlike the spring where they were uh, holding some guys out, just you know, for obvious reasons, um, took on a stereo team, pretty gritty game for about three quarters there, and then Baron. Uh, pulled away a little bit but you know we can get into that later you know your game seemed to be uh, start to finish pretty dominant from the green wave yeah the greenies handled their business um, but there were also some other reasons why this game was significant um, first off uh, for the first time in the history of the south gulf football officials association the game was officiated by an all african-american crew um, I spoke with a, a couple of the officials and you could just tell uh, there was a lot of pride there it was a really special moment um, and they called a great game. Um, another reason is that for the first time since Hurricane Ian, Ida Baker had a home football game. And um, I was really blown away by the turnout, the attendance of the fans. Um, there had to be a temporary scoreboard because the scoreboard was broken. There are bleaches that are still uh, busted. But, you know, the fans were, were standing. They were there. They were cheering. And that was really great to see. Dan, I know you covered Ida Baker um, in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian, can you offer some perspective? Why was this so important to have that first home game back for the community? Well, I think really for the senior class, it was special for, uh, you know, to be able to play uh, games in front of your home fans again. I mean, they were not, they had to play on the road, um, you know, pretty much the last half of last season and kind of looking at that damage. Uh, of all the high schools in Lee County, uh, as far as athletic facilities are concerned, Baker, I would say by far, sustained the most visible damage. I mean, the the bleachers were just wrecked there. Um, you know, there's some speculation that a, a small tornado or something went through there because they were just they were just crushed. Um, so it's tough for kids too to be going there, you know, every day and kind of looking at that damage, being reminded of what happened. So it was good to get back to. A sense of normalcy and and Baker, which hasn't had a lot of success recently and, you know, has has a very young team this year, probably will go through some growing pains. It was good to see that kind of enthusiasm again um, and, you know, to give those kids an opportunity, not just the players, but also the students there to have that Friday night experience again. Uh, I think sometimes we overlook that and we're just looking at what's happening on the field. But what happens behind us a lot of times is, is also equally important. And that was a good reminder of that. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, their stadium's in a bit of a rebuild and the team is as as well. Um, I, I saw the team in the spring and they, they've definitely improved for Fort Myers. Um, the first play from scrimmage said it all. It was a 60-yard uh, pass from Chris McFoley to Jaden German in his first play as a greenie, um, which was, uh, I think Sammy said, uh, you know, that was great. You'll re- remember it for the rest of your life. Now let's score a bunch more. Uh, so that was uh, uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, an eye-opening moment to start the game. 
Alex, uh, tell me a little bit about what you saw from the Cougars. I saw a team that, you know, shot themselves on the foot a few times, um, you know, with penalties and just decision-making. There was a, you know, a fumble early on in that game that kind of, uh, you know, shifted things temporarily. Estero cashed in off a, uh, a Brian Williams fumble, catch and run. You know, Estero takes advantage of the turnover, turns it into points on the other end. And then, you know, Nico Boyce, probably one of the best plays of the night that didn't count. Extended a play, um, just saw wide open space on the right side. A unnecessary blindside block took away six there, um, and, and I'd have to go check. I don't know. I don't think that drive turned into any points. But over the course of this game, you know, when Darren Nelson tells you after the game, you know, they're only rocking with 34, you know, it definitely showed. Barron in this one scored 28 points over the final 10 minutes. Um, it was only 10-7 to 7 in the fourth quarter, and then it uh, ballooned into a 38-14 win for Barron. Um, so definitely closer, a uh, closer game than what the score indicated there for a good amount of time. But Ostero hung tough. Um, you know, they've always had a pretty talented defense. Not the best in Southwest Florida by any means, but, you know, a good one at that. Um, but, you know, they hung around with the personnel that they had. You could definitely see cramping. Um, and just conditioning in those things kind of taking a toll. And we talked about it, you know, I think last week, the heat. You know, these teams can't get out there, so they can't really simulate or, or get any work there. Um, and, and it's especially tough with 34 guys, you know, on your roster. But, you know, Mark Jackson had a few things to say after the win. He was pretty impressed by his defense um, and the way they played. And, you know, he did say it was probably the most physical they've been um, since they uh, since he got there in 2015. So let's take a listen to that. I think our defense swarmed through the ball really well, played really physical. I, I was really, I think that's probably the most physical defense has played since I've been here. So we got to continue to do that. Had some silly penalties to, to let them uh, keep the drives going. Um, you know, the, the bad snaps and just the, the drop snaps. And, you know, just it's first game jitters, I think, a little bit. I think we were up here. And then once we calmed down, we established a little bit of being physical. Dan, can you tell me what week zero results stood out to you? Well, first I'm going to caution and say that it's you don't want to draw too much from the results from the preseason games because I, I think a lot more than in the past, coaches tend to treat these as preseason games, hold certain kids out, want to see certain things, maybe not show as much of the offense as you want. I'll just point back to last year, and it happened again You know, Friday. Port Charlotte really handled Dunbar. They did the same thing last year in the preseason classic. Dunbar goes 10-2, and two, makes it to the Final Four, probably should have made it to the state championship game. Uh, Port Charlotte loses the Naples in the second round. Dunbar goes down to Naples and beats Naples. So I think it's a little, you know, you, you can't take too much out of it, but you can see some things that, hey, maybe this team is really going to turn the quarter. Maybe this team might not be as good as we thought they were. And I look at that Charlotte Mariner score. Mariner was a team that I think coming into this year, this is this has kind of been the year that's been circled on the calendar. Uh, a lot of the good, young, talented players they have there are more mature. They have a lot of starters back on both sides of the ball. Uh, they barely put up, you know, 60 yards of offense in in a full full game against Charlotte. Lose 41 to 17. Don't score an offensive touchdown. Both their touchdowns come on special teams. Uh, how much of the offense they were showing, I don't know. Um, but you know, could that be a potential sign if Mariners struggling early in the season that hey, maybe we were 
kind of looking at them as a team that maybe they're not quite ready yet. Um, but we'll find out this week when they play Eastleigh County, who looked look really good and got a win over Benita Springs. Anytime a team goes win this one year, is able to win the preseason game. Uh, I mean, that means a lot. Uh, so we'll see how, how East comes out of that. But those are the games that kind of stood out to me a little bit. Alex, was there something that caught your attention? Yeah, I mean, just going back to my game real quick, I mean, obviously, Nico Boyce and Brody Graham, that connection was there. They had nine uh, connections for 174 and a touchdown. Um, So, you know, that seemed to be in pretty stable shape. But I think the score of the night that surprised me, and, you know, I'm going to go against Dan on this one, uh, Naples and Gulf Coast. Like, I I think that was probably the stunner. Um, You know, Naples only wins this one 14-7. Naples is a team that has been notorious for dominating county opposition throughout. I mean, with the exception of that Palmetto Ridge game three years ago. When you look at what Naples is trying to do this year, they want to incorporate more passing into their uh, their attack to kind of avoid being one-dimensional because that is obviously, you know, it hasn't worked in 16 years, you know, since they last won a state title. They've been trying to get back to that point of winning the last game of the year, so they're trying to change a few things up. I wasn't really sure what to make of that. You know, obviously Sean Simeon ran for a buck twenty-seven. Um, but you can make the case that in you know in their run heavy offense that 127 isn't really enough or it's a good number. Obviously Kendrick Raphael, you know, had his share of 180 yard games, had his share of 200 yard games. Isaiah Gustav the same story last year. Um, you know, so I am curious to see how Naples you know cleans it up against a Lehigh team that was pretty prone to penalties. I think it was 25 penalties against Cypress Lake. You know, I think for Naples it it will be a good week one game for them to kind of get right um so that was kind of the one i was really looking at port charlotte and dunbar it does kind of concern me because sammy brown did talk to us about their questions at quarterback in the offensive line play and they only scored seven points on offense you know the twasky abrams ran back a punt for 70 yards for a touchdown so i am i'd be a little bit concerned right now if i was dunbar but you know they got a good test against charlotte week one so you know we'll, we'll kind of see if the preseason was uh you know, if it was just a one-off and Dunbar will, you know, get back to being the Dunbar team that we're kind of used to seeing over these last couple of years now. Another team that I wanted to uh, mention was Golden Gate. They went on the road uh, winning 42-7 to against Winter Haven. Uh, Trayvon Jean ran for 189 yards and two touchdowns on 19 carries. John Lee Honorat, two rushing touchdowns, a 90-yard kickoff return. Yeah. Uh, is this team for real? Because I know they have a lot of talent. They're very this could be it for them but you know obviously it's preseason you don't want to read into them too much but that that was impressive but yeah there's a lot of talk on titan way this year about this kind of being the year where they can maybe assert themselves as being uh collier county's top program and you know they're going to have their share of tests to prove it you know they've got a mockley on the schedule they got baron they got naples and they got first baptist um so we're definitely going to find out uh, really quickly here, especially in week two when the Immokalee and Golden Gate play, whether or not this team is for real. They have the personnel to do it. They have the, the playmakers out wide. They have the coaching to do it. You know, P.J. Gibbs is one of the better defensive minds in the county. So I think this team can definitely, with the pieces they've got, can definitely uh, make a splash and make things happen. Um, you know, but it's just going to matter execution at the end of the day. I think Trayvon Jean, you know, he, he was running for a first down a carry basically uh, yeah. this past week. Um, you know, and if they can keep their run game and dominate in the run game, you know, that, that'll make for, uh, you know, for some interesting things, uh, you know, especially if they play a team like Naples and it's working, um, because that's Naples's game running the football primarily, um, you know, that could come down to who has the, you know, the ball last, but, you know, the defense seemed to have held firm, 
pretty impressive performance there, only hold, uh, allowing seven points to that Winter Haven team. You know, staying on the Collier County beat Immokalee hanging near 50 on North Miami, another team that has promise and has, you know, they feel good about where they're at going into this year. They win that one by 33 points. And then, uh, you know, Gateway Charter and Aubrey Rogers. You know, Aubrey Rogers hangs tough in a game where they – First-year programs typically get blown out in a handful of games, and they held their own against the Gateway Charter team. Um, so I think that was pretty encouraging for J.J. Everidge and company, even though it was a loss, that they only lost that one by one score. Yeah, I mean, a, a storyline that I'm going to be uh, watching for this season is how things develop in the East uh, with Eastley, Lehigh, Riverdale, uh, Riverdale and Lehigh with first-year coaches, East Lehigh with uh, Herbins Paul in year two. They all got wins in the preseason. Um so I, I'm going to be watching to see how that develops. Um, Riverdale getting a win 41-33 against Island Coast. They have a lot of talent at running back, and I think if they're going to have success this season, it's going to be with the running game because yeah. they have an offensive line that can block. And, you know, Lehigh, it looked like as, as many penalties as there were in that game, the, the defense really held. Um, and, and Eastley, as we mentioned, you know, getting a, a solid win against Benita. Um, it's going to be interesting to, to track those teams throughout the season. When you think about it, uh, having 25 penalties and only allowing eight points is uh, it's a pretty impressive uh, accomplishment there. Lehigh definitely going to have a good test this week against Naples. Um, I'd be remiss not to mention Bishop Rohang in 54 in the first half on a Laley team that had a pretty strong second half uh, to last year. They really went on a nice little run and, and actually gave Dunbar a game in the playoffs. I mean, I think Vero's offense was never question mark. I think that was the surest thing that we could expect going into this year was that Vero's offense was going to continue being Vero's offense uh, from last year, maybe in a different capacity or different split with carries and whatnot in the backfield um, with Deshaun Jenkins maybe getting a little more touches. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, Carter Smith seemed on his game, just one of the constants that, you know, I don't think we really have to, to worry about. All right. Well, after this break, we are going to talk more about week one, about players to watch. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Let's go. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. Welcome back. Before we get into looking ahead to week one games, we wanted to go through some of the content that we've dropped on news-press.com and naplesnews.com over the course of this preseason, uh, starting, of course, with the Big 15 and the next 15, looking at the top prospects in Southwest Florida. Alex, can you tell me what were some of your top takeaways Um kind of going through some of this stuff? Uh, top takeaway for me is that, you know, this year is talented. You know, last year's class was just so deep when you think about it, right? With just how much talent we had in the area last year, I don't know if it'll get as good as that. And, and to be honest, you know, this group, you know, it has its guys, um, but definitely we had some guys, uh, you know, in the tens and the fifteens who were kind of just on the on the cusp of maybe breaking out. Whereas last year, very senior heavy, um, definitely a younger group this year um, with Madrid Tucker, you know, being in the tens at thirteen and. Cole Cook entering his junior year with UCF and, um, you know, guy like Jaden Malbranch at, at ECS, you know, with the commitment to Air Force. Um, definitely one of those lists this year where, 
the theme is parity for this high school football season. I think it could be the case with the Big 15 in some areas, especially on the second half. You know, you have your share of prospects, and it really was hard to decipher probably from 9, 10 on down, you know, compared to where the next 15 is. It was really a pretty not heated debate, but just a very tough, you know, we had tough decisions to make this year. Um, but you had your guys at the top, like Kensley Faustin and T.J. Abrams and Carter Smith and Timmy Lawson at Varela. Like those were the we we knew those guys were on. And then you know a guy like George Hase Oates at CSN, his recruiting really picked up over the summer. He's got offers here that no one else has, um, you know, which I think says a lot. Um, so I, you know, I think it was definitely one of those uh, lists this year where um, you know, especially in the lower half, you know, a lot of parity and, and hard to really separate eight from 15 any late risers than the next 15 that maybe took you by surprise yeah probably some that would have made the list if you know if it weren't for just blooming late i think jace cora from laley is one who i probably would have thrown on the list because he has a notre dame offer and notre dame is the only uh, he's got the only notre dame offer locally um you know i think jace cora would have made it um if he gets that offer earlier for us um because we compiled this in in early july um, so it was it was pretty early on, you know, and he got that offer on August 1st. Um, one of the interesting ones that, you know, you're going to hear his name probably a handful of times this fall is his name's TJ Hedrick. He comes from Missouri. He just, he's now at CSN. He's a four-star lineman in the 2025 class. So he's a junior. He transferred into CSN uh, the first week of August for camp. Uh, he would have been a shoe-in to make it. He probably would have been close to top five. Um, so, yeah, so he just made a late transfer. And that's just the way the ball rolls sometimes. But another guy, you know, kind of looking at uh, Jai German, you know, doesn't have any offers. Do I think he gets some after this season? Yes, I do. Um, And I think he's one who could be uh, poised to, you know, really get some offers here early on. Just like, you know, a lot of the legacies around here have with uh, Miles Graham and Ernest Graham, obviously, um, and Andre Devine, Noel Devine. Um, Soon enough, we'll be talking about Noel Jr., um, who is rumored to be just as good as uh, as dad. So that'll be exciting. And then, yeah, I mean, the, the next 15 was another loaded list. It really was. And keeping that one at 15 w- w- was tough just because of how many guys have offers here. And Jaden Pettit's another one to kind of monitor. He's got Miami. He's got Louisville. He's primed for a breakout season this sophomore year. And if I think he does that down at First Baptist as a wide receiver one, I think those offers will start coming to him. Maybe we kind of see a uh, Olsen Pat Henry 2.0 come out of First Baptist. Another list that we put out this week was our list of the top 30 most underrated players in the area, which was hard because we have a lot, a lot of guys. (laughs) Um, But one thing that stood out to me was the number of quarterbacks that, you know, a lot of teams are returning experienced Solid quarterbacks that I'm expecting really good seasons for uh, these guys. I'm talking about uh, Dorian Mallory at Lehigh, uh, Ethan Crossan, a, a state champion uh, in the sophomore season at First Baptist, is coming back. Uh, Tanner Heldon at ECS and uh, Chris McFoley at Fort Myers, who you know I, I got to see in, in game action this past week. He looks bigger, stronger, faster, and he was making plays. He was buying time. Um, so I, I'm expecting big things from him this year. Dan, I was wondering if there was anyone who stood out 
to you on the list, maybe on the defensive side. Yeah, a position really that typically gets underrated and guys don't get a lot of attention is, you know, interior defensive linemen. And we had a couple of really good ones on there. Um, Obviously, you start with Adrian Stone from North Fort Myers, one of only six seniors on the team. He's one of the few players in the area that he's just, you have to game plan against him because he can really destroy your game plan on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, so he's he's someone who I think gets a, a decent amount of attention. I, I think if you ask opposing coaches, they'll be like, yes, we know that we have to we have to account for him. Luke Walker out of, out of Naples, one of their few guys coming back in the front seven, and you look at their performance against Gulf Coast, hold them to uh, you know just over 100 yards of offense. I, I think he's going to be key for them this year. And Jalen Christmas out of Dunbar um, plays the interior defensive line. Not the biggest kid, only about 215 pounds, um, but is really – a big key for them in terms of stopping the run. I think he he's going to be one of the guys that if Dunbar has their typical, you know, really good defense, he's going to be right in the middle of it making plays. Absolutely. Uh, and now let's get ahead to week one and start talking about some of these games. Um, Alex, what game are you anticipating the most? Um, South Gulf Coast is really intriguing just because both coaches love the line of scrimmage and, you know, both – Sides have really good coaches. Coach Capasso down at Gulf Coast is a defensive line coach down there. He's had some good ones over the last couple of years. Landon Reiner being, you know, a first teamer last year. This year he's got Will Brockmeyer on the in the front seven. He's got Chris Jimenez in the front seven, who was a defensive player of the year finalist for us a season ago. And then you got a, a South team on the other side that, you know, they don't really have, you know, a, a big name player in the trenches, but they're experienced and they play well as a unit. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun one down there, especially just because both sides are looking to rebound after last week. Um, one of the more underrated matchups this week, I think, without question, would be that one. Um, you know, I, I also look at uh, a game like Vero Port Charlotte, another game where how how do you game plan for Myron Charles? What is what are Richie Road and Josh Vogelbach going to come up with? Are they going to get Carter out of the pocket and away from Myron Charles, or are they going to let Carter stay in the pocket and just let him do his thing? That'll be we'll find out Thursday night. Um, that should be another pretty appetizing matchup. Another one I really kind of curious about: Ida Baker, Cape Coral. We've heard a lot about Cape this year. That Larry Gary's turning it around there. Their defense definitely was uh, showed that on a few occasions last season. You know where are they at this year as a program early on? Um, I think we get a good indicator of that in a pretty good rivalry game out there. Um, so, you know, this week's got a good handful of good matchups, and it'll be exciting to see um, where some of these teams are at, uh, you know, especially early on. Speaking of rivalry games, I have to get into the big one, uh, North Fort Myers. Fort Myers yep. hopefully being held on Fort Myers' brand-new turf field. Uh, that is going to be exciting, especially considering uh, the recent history. North has really had their number lately. Um, I'm Excited for that one. I'm excited for, I mean, both these offenses went off in the preseason. Um, Dan, what do you think about that matchup? Uh, I think it's going to be a, a really good matchup. I think we looked at North this year maybe as, you know, this was going to be kind of a retooling year. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they only have six seniors. They have three pretty good ones in Bryce DeRoss at quarterback, Andre Devine, Adrian Stone on the defensive line. And uh, I was kind of surprised with the result at Gateway. Not that North won, but just, 
how dominant they were um, because they looked they looked so bad in the spring, and and that was against Port Charlotte, who's obviously a very good team. Uh, you know, Gateway's still building that program, but uh, a little bit a little bit surprised at that. It's a really good rivalry, and there's a lot of times where you know maybe the team that you don't expect to win uh, comes out and wins. Uh, I think that obviously a lot of motion there with Fort Myers and the new field, and they kind of feel like you know they're they're ready to get back uh, you know in the conversation this year as you know one of Lee County's best teams. I just think it's really going to be a battle and probably a little bit closer um, than uh, some of these games have been recently. Also, a game that I think it could have ramifications for the rest of the season. We saw with Fort Myers uh, last year losing that game to a very close game to North, um, and how that you know how that affected them going ahead, um, just with you know fourth quarter leads. So yeah, it's definitely going to be one to watch. Coming up after the break, we are going to make some predictions in some of these games. For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week. Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. we go! And welcome back to the final segment of the show. It is picks time. Glad to have this back. We didn't do it last week because we don't pick preseason games. Uh, but the way this will work, we'll each uh, break down you know, the 10 games that we're going to pick on a week-to-week basis. Maybe we'll do 11 uh, as the season goes on just as a bonus game, You know, maybe in the playoffs or something like that. Um, but we're breaking down 10 of the area's games this week, uh, featuring local squads, uh, and we'll track week-by-week records. Last year, Dustin and Dan finished at a cool 68 and 26, a pretty good win percentage there. And yours truly uh, finished with a 73 and 21 record uh, on the year, just uh, I believe under 77%. Um, so to start it off, you know, this week Ida Baker going to Cape Coral. You know, I believe it's the Black and Blue Bowl. Baker going on the road to take on Larry Gary's Seahawks. Dustin, starting this one off with you. Um, just how do you feel about this one, um, especially after, you know, uh, last week? Yeah, I definitely saw that the Bulldogs have taken some strides. They can definitely do some things on offense um, with uh, Adrian Scott. You know, he was able to make a lot of quick, decisive passes. Uh, and, you know, the running game was working, you know, pretty decently against a, a tough Fort Myers team. But I, I'm going to take Cape here. I was impressed by their the result last week against DeSoto County, winning 27-14. Yeah, last year seven to three contest. It was a uh, one of those playoff games. You know that if you don't make the postseason, the FHSA grants you to play a quote unquote bowl game. Uh, and those teams made that one up because I believe it was supposed to be around somewhere in the timeline of Ian. Um, so they made that game up. Uh, you know, and uh, Cape Coral was victorious seven to three in a low scoring affair. Uh, I'm also going to take Cape Coral. I like what Larry Gary's team has to offer this year with uh, Darian Jones on the defensive side and just where that program is headed. It seems like the culture's changing a bit out there with uh, Isaac Harvin involved too, who at some point, we don't know when, will be the next head coach of uh, Cape Coral. You know, it's kind of them and uh, them two just rotating back and forth uh, on, I guess, an interim basis. But I'm going to take Cape. I think they're going to start the year 1-0. Dan? Yeah, I agree. Um 
these teams have played every year since Baker opened in 2005, except for 2020 because of some illnesses related to COVID. So it was good that they were able to get that game in uh, last year just to kind of keep that alive. Baker's won the last three, though, um, but I, I'm going to go with Cape. I just think they're a little further along in the process than Baker is now. Of course, three uh, in agreement there. Next game up, we're going down to Collier County. St. Cloud taking on Baron Collier. Um, I'll start here. St. Cloud is a team 7-3. and three. Uh, in class 4s uh record is not indicative of how good uh you know how good this team was though uh seven and three with a negative 6.4 strength strength of schedule per max preps uh team lost a lot compared to last year i'm going to take baron here they're a team that is poised I, I mean the ceiling could for them could be nine wins this year which is uh would be an accomplishment under mark jackson um there's definitely nine winnable games on there you know if they beat naples they could be staring at an undefeated regular season uh, which would be quite the feat. I'm going to take Baron Collier to start 1-0. Dan? Yeah, I agree. I, I think Baron Collier is another one of those teams that thinks, you know, this is their year. And I think Collier County is going to be probably the the tightest race that it's been in, in quite some time. Um, and I think Barron's going to be one of those teams kind of vying for that top spot. And uh, I think they win this week. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Baron Collier. I was just very encouraged by the way they pulled away in that preseason game. I think it said a lot about their conditioning, their numbers, and I think that's going to carry them through. Look, and I was at that game. Baron put up 484 yards of offense, and it was showing early on as well. Baron was moving the ball. They just weren't finishing drives. Um, I, I don't expect that to happen here. Um, their run game really got going in the second half. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Barron, you know, flirts with 40 again in this one. Um, so that, I'm going to take the Cougars. Game three on our 10-game slate, Charlotte going to Dunbar last couple seasons. You could say that this game would be competitive with, uh, you know, maybe Binky Waldrop in the fold. Um, Charlotte just seems to have struggled to find its identity since then. Uh, Dustin, going to start with you here. Um, does Charlotte pick one off here against Dunbar? Well, I do think it was eye-opening that Charlotte dropped 41 points on Mariner in the preseason. Um, and I think, you know, this game could be competitive, but I am not going to pick against Dunbar at home. I think they, the Tigers will get it done. Dan? No, I agree. Uh, I, I think Dunbar definitely has to clean some stuff up. Uh, Charlotte looked really good last week. They do have a freshman quarterback, made his first start, varsity start last week. Um, struggled in the first half against Mariner, kind of came on in the second half. I think Dunbar just has too much speed, though. I, I think they'll make those one or two splash plays, and that'll be enough. Yeah, I just it's really hard for me to pick against Dunbar, let alone Dunbar at home. Charlotte has been a team that you know, I, I'm not sure how good they are just because of the inconsistencies they've had over the last couple of years at quarterback. Um, and, until Charlotte can prove to me that they can put it together and string together back-to-back -to -back wins, i got to take Dunbar at home. So I think the Tigers will start 1-0, and and they're going to go into a big clash next week on the road against North Fort Myers. Uh, next up, Laley at Riverdale. One game that I feel like could be kind of anybody's ball game here just because of the different styles. Ben Hammer's team likes to go fast and likes to uh, wear teams out by, you know, trying to run more plays than what teams are conditioned for. Uh, Riverdale likes to ground and pound and just chew clock, especially this year under Kendall Gibson. They're installing the wing tee. Dan, I'll start with you on this one. I, I genuinely, I, I think it's a toss-up. Yeah, and, and, you know, if you're talking about lately – really game planning for two different teams we you know Bishop Rowe last week and now Riverdale this week in the wing tee and, and that can be difficult to prepare for I'm going to go with Laley and, and and the one thing about Riverdale that um 
you know, kind of maybe just a little bit of a red flag is allowing 33 points on an Island Coast team that I, I think is in a little bit of a transition. Javaris Leaphart had a great game, rushing for four touchdowns. Lately definitely has athletes. They have the ability to put up points. Uh, giving up 60 points to Bishop Vero, that's not out of the norm for a lot of teams, even some good teams. I mean, Port Charlotte gave about 57 to them last year. So that's nothing really to hang your head about. One-dimensional team like Riverdale, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to score that much. And and, uh, and I think Laley will be able to score. I think it'll be a close game. I think Laley will win. Do we have our first disagreement here, Dustin? No, not yet. Uh, I'm also going to go with Laley just because I saw Riverdale in the spring against a Collier County team, and it was a bit of a mismatch. I think you know, the fact that they won in their preseason is showing that this team is going in the right direction, but I think the Trojans will get the win. For how much parity there is this year, there's so much consensus in this pick <laughs> segment so far. Um, I, I don't expect it to change here. You know, I'm obviously going to pick Laley, too. I just really like what this team has to offer. JV and Tantalus is poised for a breakout game. Um, you know, I, I really think that Laley will be able to get right. And, and obviously learning under a first-year head coach, you're going to have your growing pains early. Um, but I think that, you know, Ben Hammer's message is going to resonate a lot quicker and it's it'll be across much faster you know compared to other first year head coaches i'm going to take Laley. uh this game I, I don't see any disagreements here naples lehigh i'll start it off golden eagles rebound you know this game shouldn't be close yeah i'm taking naples as well um you know i, I still think it's it's worth mentioning the, the lehigh defense uh had quite a game last week recovering two fumbles a pick six uh harkham henry had three sacks but I, I think the penalties are definitely uh, something that uh, is going to put you in trouble against a Naples team. It's a red flag. You can't. You Yellow can't, flag, actually. Well, well <laughs> that, that too. Um, you, you can't give up 25 penalties, especially in a preseason game. That just shows that you have a lack of discipline, you know, and that doesn't resolve itself within a week. Um, and Naples will capitalize on those penalties. They always have. They always will. Dan, I imagine you're kind of leaning towards Naples here. Yeah, and I will say, you know, those are obviously a lot of penalties. But when you have a new coaching staff that comes in and really doesn't get in place until July, yeah. it's probably not all that unexpected. And Lehigh, even in the past under under James Cheney, they had a penchant for kind of hurting themselves and having to overcome penalties. So that's kind of been a part of their DNA. Uh, I think they will get better in that area. I think it'll be interesting because Lehigh has a very good secondary. And if Naples really wants to, you know, say, hey, we're going to pass the ball, they, they they could get themselves in trouble with some turnovers, but I think when Naples has to, they're going to run the football, they're going to run it well, and they're going to do enough to win this game probably comfortably. Yep. Uh, Sean Simeon, definitely an X factor in this one. Jack Melton at quarterback for the Golden Eagles, we believe. Um, you know, Carter Quinn is not there yet as a starter. Um, perhaps that changes over the course of the season, but Jack Melton's an experienced starter entering year three in that system of being the starting quarterback. So I expect that. They should be able to rebound. This is probably a toss-up game. Mariner going to East Lee. I'm going to start with Dustin on this one, and then I'll make my pick and then turn it to Dan. Uh, Dustin, this game, I, I don't know what to expect because we saw a, a such an unexpected performance from Mariner, giving up 41 to Charlotte, and then we saw East Lee. They won comfortably over Benita but pulled their starters early in a 28-9 win. Yeah, this is a, a tricky one, and I, I'm expecting a little disagreement here. I'm going to go with Eastley, and you know the the only kind of edge that I you know was able to come up with was this game is going to be at home for them, and there's a lot of hype around this team. So if you know the community shows up for them, I like their chances. They have a lot of really really good athletes on that offense: Laz Rogers, Gary Hagen, Victor Georges. Um, yeah, I think it could go 
either way, really, but I'm going to go with the Jags. We touched on it last week. A lot of coaches talking about Eastley at Media Day. It's a common theme among some of the area's coaches. They hit the portal hard. They did this. They did that. Um, I'm taking the Jags, too. I, I just I like them at home. I think Laz Rogers you know, is poised for another breakout game, and Mariner, you know, they definitely have some questions. I don't know who played, who didn't, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can't allow 41 to Charlotte. They haven't touched that number in quite a while, so I'm going to I'm gonna take Eastley at home here to start 1-0, and and I think this could be the start of something special out, out in the East, and maybe perhaps, uh, you know, making, giving some of these other teams a run. Dan? Uh, I'm going to go with Mariner. Um, they have 19 starters back. I think early on they were a team that we were looking at as, or at least I was looking at as a team that I think could make the playoffs this year and kind of challenge for that district also. Nothing's going to get your players' attention that maybe think, hey, this is going to be our year, that a disappointing performance, and at least it was in the preseason. I think they'll rebound this week. I, I think they're just too good. They have just too too much ability. Offensively, Noah Tolbert, Justin Lewis, very good defense with Kelvin Jimenez, Dennis Schmidt. I think they'll put a lot of pressure on an Eastley team that – really doesn't have much of a passing game um, and it can be one-dimensional at times even though they have some great athletes uh, you you mentioned a couple of them and Rogers and even Gary Hagan um, they can break loose but I, I think Marin will win this game yeah definitely one of those games where may, maybe Mariner proves us wrong and they're back to normal next week or you know this could be uh, Eastley's you know the start of something that they hope to really achieve out there and, and you know they've had their share of bad moments over the couple past couple of years they haven't won more than uh three games over the last five seasons just once and i believe that was the pj gibbs year where that was a one-off before he went down to golden gate so definitely a, a game to watch uh next game up uh lee versus collier battle south fort myers going to gulf coast these are teams uh, two teams that both uh, lost their respective games, uh, but were nonetheless very competitive in them. Dan, going to start with you here, Wolfpack or the Sharks? Um, I really think this is a toss-up game. Uh, I'm just going to go with Gulf Coast because they're at home. Um, Lemon Bay, I think, is an improved team this year. So, it, you know, South losing to, to Lemon Bay isn't isn't a huge red flag. I'll just look at... You know, Gulf Coast kind of hanging in that game with Naples, uh, you know, kind of holding up with them um, in terms of the, the uh, their lines. Um, I think that bodes well. They had a really good season last year uh, under Todd Nichols, and uh, I think they can have another, you know, pretty good season this year, and I think they'll start it off with a win. Dustin, are you bullish on South Fort Myers to pick them here? I am, and I think it's because they feel like they have something to prove this season. Um, yeah. so I'm going to go with South. I, I think they're bringing back a lot of talented players that we're going to be hearing about in, in a few weeks' time. Um, it's tempting to go with Gulf Coast after you know limiting Naples to 14 points, but you know even though South lost to Lemon Bay, that they had the lead a couple times, and I think that was uh, an encouraging week zero performance from them. Yeah, and a lot of talk around Justin White this year. You know, obviously, I'm going to make the pick here. Gulf Coast is just too good in the trenches. And, you know, Lemon Bay chasing Gita running uh, more often than not. Um, and, you know, I believe there were seven rushes by, uh, you know, Mr. Jenkins in the backfield to kind of, you know, make me question the offensive line a little bit just with where they're at. I'm not sure who was in, who was out. Obviously, it's preseason, so you might be trying to just get guys in. Uh, to get guys in. Uh, but, you know, a constant at Gulf Coast has been the defensive line. Naples had a tough time with it last year 
and they had a tough time with it this year. I, I think I'm going to take Gulf Coast. The one thing I will say about Justin White, though, is that you know he might be in for a nice little revenge game here. Um, he had one catch in the matchup last year. Gulf Coast allowed 73.9 yards per game to opposing number one receivers last season, and five of those guys went over 100 yards. Uh, that that game games. was a, a shortened game due to yes. weather, I will point out. <laughs> yeah, so definitely uh, you know, not indicative, but you know, Justin White is poised to kind of not feast on the secondary, but number ones have typically had their way. Um, so I think you know, he's kind of one to keep an eye on. If him and Chase and Gita are on, uh, this could make for an interesting game. But I, going to Gulf Coast, you know, with that student section with the band, I think it might factor into the jitters that already come with the first game. So I'm going to take Gulf Coast in this one to win. Uh, next game up, Estero at First Baptist, an interesting style here. You know, you got Darren Nelson's team with 34 guys, and then you got a Billy Sparacio coach team, you know, one class uh, lower that might have even more guys uh, than 34. Uh, Dustin, just circling it back to you. Uh, does First Baptist start one and zero here, despite having to replace so much? Yeah, I I just think you know the Lions' home opener as state champions, they should really be motivated uh, to to get this win, and I think they're going to get it. Dan, yeah, I think so. I, I I think First Baptist wins this one pretty easily. Yeah, it's just tough because you saw I saw the Sestero team last week. They got beat really good in the fourth quarter just because of endurance and conditioning. The one thing that Estero does have on First Baptist, though, is that uh, they actually have 48 minutes of game action, and First Baptist does not. Um, so I'm not sure if that's going to factor in. But nonetheless, you got to go with the defending champs here in the first game of the season. Uh, the Lions should be able to kind of have their way, especially on the perimeter. Um, they got the skill guys to, that I think where they'll be able to exploit one or two matchups with Estero, especially at corner. Um, I'm going to take the Lions. Uh, second to last game on the docket, you know, it's the uh, the Caloosahatchee River rivalry. North Fort Myers going to Fort Myers. Uh, this series has been pretty competitive over the last couple of years. Dan, going to start it off with you. Does North start 1-0 and or does Fort Myers start 1-0? and I'll tell you, North would like nothing better than to go in there and upset Fort Myers. Uh, a lot of people talking about Fort Myers this year. You're going to have all the ceremonies with the field, allegedly, supposedly, hopefully. The field will be ready. Um, you know, North would like nothing better than get the first win on that field. Uh, I'm going to go with Fort Myers, though. I think they just have too many weapons this year. Um, with German, with Madrid Tucker, with McFoley, a quarterback. I, I think they'll be able to put up uh, enough points um, and, and kind of control the ball a little bit when they have to uh, against North. And I'm just not sure North has enough experience this year really uh, to pull off an upset like this. So I'm going to go with Fort Myers. But I think it'll be close because these games, you know, usually they are always close. Dustin? It's really hard to read into uh, how these teams performed in the preseasons because they were they both uh, you know were on the winning end of, of beatdowns. Uh, so it, it's hard to to look at this matchup and say, oh, you know, there's a clear winner. I agree with Dan. I think it's going to be close, but I have a hard time picking against Sam Sirianni at home. So I like the Greenies. You learned from Adam Regan yes, well, Dustin, did. didn't you? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean I'm with you. I think it's easier to see Fort Myers winning, and you know, with all due respect, the game on the line, I'd rather have ball in the hands of Chris McFoley in the Fort Myers offense than the inverse. Um, I just think that they're a more complete offensive team. They got Kendall Gervel, who um, we could be talking about at the end of the year as a defensive player of the year finalist, just how big and physical he is in the trenches. He stands out. Uh, literally, <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, literally stands out. 
Um, they're going to have to game plan for him. Uh, the Fort Myers defense, you know, they're probably going to have their share of questions. They, but they do have guys going both ways. I, I would expect Madrid Tucker is going to go both ways like last year. Maybe Alex Delusma at safety. They're going to have their guys uh, going both ways. Uh, I mean, we'll figure out really quickly, you know, how they fare. But, you know, North's going to have Andre Devine out wide. Virgil Malloy seems to have maybe uh, found his footing as a starting running back. He had a pretty physical run that uh, Melvin Whitlock, our freelancer, got on camera for us. But I'm, I'm just going to take Fort Myers. I, I, I just like, you know, Fort Myers at home here. A lot of expectation and just more experience and more senior leadership. And it is, uh, you know, it will be David Pasquale's first game. You know, I'm just not sure if they can go in there and pick one off. But it would be... Uh, you know, one heck of a start to the new turf if they were to, um, because just because of the rivalry. Um, and then last up, our game of the week, Port Charlotte at Bishop Vero. It is fitting that this game's on a Thursday night. It's basically, you know, going to be a standalone game. Two teams that we could be talking about playing into December in Final Four or in state championship contests. Uh, Dustin, going to start with you. I'll make the pick after you, and then we'll go to Dan. Who do you like in this one? This is tricky. Um, obviously, teams with uh, big, big goals and expectations for the season. I'm going to go with the Vikings. They're at home. That offense is just ridiculous, and they have just so many weapons, so many options. I mean, you know, you, you think, you know, Deshaun Jenkins, he's poised for a breakout, and then, they, you know, they have a, a backup who is phenomenal too. So this could be a shootout, but I'm going to give the edge to Bishop Rowe. You know, we talked about Bishop Rose defense last year being suspect. Like, look, if you allow 40 to Port Charlotte, it, it, it's going to happen to plenty of teams this year. I think both teams see 40 in this one at a minimum. Um, last year it was, fifth, what, 58-47 or 58-49. Uh, pretty ridiculous scoreline there. Um, Vero's offense, again, like First Baptist and Estero in similar aspects, I think that having just so much depth at receiver, they're going to exploit those matchups. And yeah, Port Charlotte has a guy or two uh, out, you know, covering DB and covering wide. Uh, but I think that's a guy like Maddie Turner could be in for a big game here at the slot. Timmy Lawson, perhaps. You know, I'm not sure what Richie Rhodes is going to have designed. I'm, not, I'm really curious to see what happens. I'll be joining the team out there after I cover my volleyball game on Thursday. But you know, I'm going to take Vero. I just like what they have to offer this year. And, and Deshaun Jenkins, I think he's poised for kind of that. Uh, you know, that big game early on, you know, but it's going to come down to defending Ed Gurrier, the, the Rutgers commit, you know, at running back. If he has a field day, you know, Vero's biggest flaw, I think we can all agree, is, you know, the defensive line. They got the guys at linebacker and they have the secondary to cover, um, but I'm going to take Vero. Dan? Yeah, this is probably the game I went back and forth on the most out of the games we're picking, and um, I think this is one of those rare times where no matter what happens, both teams are going to come out of this game better. Because yeah. um, I think for poor Charlotte, they'll get a chance to go up against probably the best offense they'll see all year. And Bishop Rowe, one of the more physical offenses that they'll see. Uh, so I think they'll each find out a, a lot about themselves. I think it's going to be close. I think it's a one-score game. And uh, I saw last year the impact that Vero's home crowd can have uh, when they upset Lehigh at home. That was a game really Vero had no business winning. Uh, they had two really huge goal line stands where Lehigh's driving into that student section. And that crowd made an impact. 
and I think they'll be fired up. Uh, you know, there's all this state title talk, uh, you know, around there, and I'm sure it's the same way at Port Charlotte. And if this game was at Port Charlotte this year, I think I'd go with Port Charlotte, but it's not. So I'm going with Vero. A win here, as you described it in your capsule, would definitely legitimize, you know, the state title talk on Sunrise Drive. And I think if Vero picks one up here, you know, I think we could be talking about one heck of a clash with Dunbar in week three. But that wraps up the pick segment. A lot of consensus. Uh, we differ on two different games here. Mariner at East Lee, South at Gulf Coast. Two of the more g- interesting games, I think they could both be in one scores. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see until Thursday and Friday. Any final thoughts? Just ex- excited uh, to, to get going this week. Uh, a, a lot of action and uh, definitely excited to see the new field at Fort Myers. Seeing it, we'll see, I guess. I mean, this game might be moved to Moody Field last minute. We don't know yet. But, um, you know, Dan, anything from you? No, just a really good week one slate. Um, I mean, you're talking about some some really good games uh, to get us started, so that's exciting. Of course, and, you know, it's really going to be an exciting week. Um, We're going to have it all for you, you know, previews, everything at news-press.com, naplesnews.com, you know, your source for high school football content in the area. We don't rehash anything. It's all authentically and organically ours. You know, just be sure to go there, check everything out. We're going to make our picks uh, with scores. Uh, That'll be out uh, Thursday at noon. Um, And, you know, in this podcast, you know, when you're listening, you know, we're going to have plenty of preview content. Dustin's working on an awesome story with Jamie German and uh, Noel Devine and how their sons are playing against each other for the first time this season. Um, so that'll be a really exciting feature and a fun feature to read. Before we go, got to plug the guys on Twitter. Be sure to follow Dustin Levy at Dustin B. Levy. Follow Dan DeLuca at News Press Dan. And you can follow me at NP underscore Alex Martin. This is Season 6, Episode 2 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. We'll see you next week with plenty to talk about. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.